People just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. So I'd like to welcome Eliza uh, to tonight's discussion. Now, she runs a business called Inspirator. It's a retail business, and she's been doing this for over 12 and a half years. So this is fascinating because when you run your own business, it's full of lots of interesting and exciting and challenging opportunities. Yes. Um, and we tonight we have the opportunity to find out a little bit more about her journey and what keeps her going. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. So tell me about this business, Inspirator. What's it all about? Who's okay. involved? Okay. Uh, well... Primarily me, <laughs> a sole proprietor, yep. uh, and I, you know, of course I have staff, part-time staff, mm -hmm. uh, and the business is primarily about um, women's retail, fashion retail, yep. but focusing on Australian independent designers. So small batch producers, uh, and of course some of the designers that we've started off from 12 and a half years ago have obviously established themselves, and they're a lot more... Uh, they're a lot bigger, mm -hmm. so you know they their um, their names are a little bit more recognisable in the marketplace. But we still have people who sew from home. You know, women who want to work from home, perhaps have young children and have a love of um, of you know sewing and are good good seamstresses. So they sew, make up things, and then they deliver it to the store. And so sometimes there's just five pieces, ten pieces. Mm, that's terrific. Yeah. Um, so what's it like to be running a business uh, that does this, that is working in a particular unique space yeah. with smaller producers? Mm -hmm. It's exciting because, you know, you, you're always seeing new things. Uh, and also the products you, you sell are things that are special. So it's not hard selling. Like I, mm. I would find it very hard selling things that I didn't actually like or didn't really believe in or yeah. didn't really think were beautiful or well-crafted or had a story behind them. Mm. And of course... The other side, the flip side of the coin is it's mm. a lot of hard work. You know, if you're a, a, a sole business owner, you pretty much do everything. So yeah. once the, sh the shop shuts, yeah. there's a whole heap of paperwork that needs to be done. You know, people you need to contact. You've got to make sure your finances look healthy, you're paying bills and etc, etc, etc. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes on. Um, you acquire a lot of skills uh, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and you learn things, um, you've, you know, you, there'll, there'll be lots and lots of mistakes, uh, but if you learn from them and you make the changes quick enough, hopefully you'll avoid the pitfalls of a lot of businesses that, you know, basically go bust and don't survive past the three-year mark, the five-year mark. Mm. Wow. Mm. So so that's fascinating. What kind of uh, mistakes have you sort of made and quickly adapted <laughs> from? What, what are probably like the best lessons? Best lessons. Okay. Well, the first thing you need to do is make sure you always back your product. So, you know, there are times where I've basically maybe bought things or um, brought things into the shop that I didn't quite believe in, but mm -hmm. I felt pressured to do it because yeah. it was what, you know, maybe it, you might be influenced by what's in the media, what's in the magazines, yeah. uh, and then you, you, you bring something in and it just sits on the shelf. And, you know, mm. you could have spent thousands of dollars on a particular product. So I pretty much learned that I never going to buy anything or put anything in the store that I wouldn't personally buy myself, yep. you know, if I was to walk into a shop. Mm. Um, that's one thing. Uh, 
managing your cash flow, very important. I think a lot of people don't understand and I guess I'm I've got that background in finance, so I, I've, you know, I'm aware of it. So one of the things you have to do is, you know, you've got to make sure that you always have enough cash because you might be a successful business in that you're selling lots of things, but if you're not paying your bills and you're not turning your stock around and also making sure that there's always enough money in the bank, mm -hmm. you know, you can pretty much find yourself in very dire um, in a dire situation and you just can't survive. Yeah, and how did you learn about managing, like, the importance of managing cash flow? Just from having an accounting background, yeah. finance background. <laughs> you know, I hated doing it when I was in that profession, but it's given me a lot of things that I probably have that I didn't realise that was just in innate in me because it's been something that I, you know, did for many years in mm -hmm. my previous life. Mm -hmm. Um and um, those are the things that I think that, you know, you might have a very good idea of what you want to do, but if you yeah. can't execute it and you can't, um, and you can't keep it going, you know, like I could have a, a shop full of beautiful things, you know, yeah. but if I'm not controlling the way I spend mm -hmm. uh, versus how much money is coming in, mm. I'll quickly find myself unable to pay my rent, unable to pay my staff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's what happens to a lot of people. Yeah. They just end up going broke mm. Mm. and yeah and back to the uh, you know the thing about saying i don't buy things unless i like them is mm. that something you've just kind of like built an instinct for over time or is that mm -hmm. um yeah i think so you know i think you kind of trust your taste a little bit better mm. uh also because if you know that you've been doing it for x amount of time and people keep coming back and keep yeah. saying to you oh i really love your things i really love what how you've curated the shop, you know, mm. the things you've put together, you've got a good eye. Uh, I guess then you just, that's confidence, you know, and that helps mm. you with your, with what you, what you know is going to move as opposed to what's not going to move in the store. And also, you know, some things, like, there are things that are, I always see lots of beautiful things. So there are things that are so beautiful yeah. that I, I know yeah. that I would love to have. But I'm also conscious of, you know, you, you see how people's spending patterns change over time, ah. you know. So you kind of have to moderate how you buy for the shop. Yep. Because there will be times where, you know, people aren't spending. So you might find you might find something that's like five $600, retail, it retails five $600. You may love it to death, but, but you aren't going to sell it because no one wants mm. to spend that kind of money, you know. So you kind of have to also moderate. Um, you're buying according to how people spend mm. and people spend very differently these days yeah mm. I was going to say within mm. the 12 years that you've mm. been doing the business what are the shifts and changes you've noticed um, hmm. I think people are a little bit more uh, careful about how they spend mm -hmm. uh, you know so there's certain things that you know if they hit, it hits a certain price bracket people are a little bit more reticent to spend but having said that people will buy quality so you know like there will be many many times where I'll have conversations where people will say you know what mm -hmm. uh, I've bought you know X amount of stuff from this particular place and you know it was a waste of money because I thought I was saving money but you know at the end of the day mm -hmm. the pieces that I buy from you are the pieces I still keep wearing yeah <laughs> and it can be like five six seven eight nine years you know yeah. um, from when they first purchased mm -hmm. the product and so you know it, it, in a way people's pattern of spending has changed 
a bit more careful. But the thing is, if you have quality, they always come back to quality. Yeah. You know, so that's sort of what I look at, you know, make sure I love it, make sure I know it's going to uh, stand the test of time. Yeah. Uh, it's going to uh, make sure that it's going to wear well over mm. time. And then I guess that's what happens. People come back. Mm. Mm. And it's important because, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a very, very high rate of buy and throw, you know. People yeah. just buy and then they, they wear it, you know, five times and they throw it. And they yeah. think that they're saving money because, oh, it's just a $20 top. But if you're buying five $20 tops and you, mm. you know, wash and wear them and after five wears, they, they don't hold their shape and you throw them out. Yeah. You're at, you end up spending more money as opposed to buying a $100 top, but it's going to last you for three, four, five years if you look after it. You know, you, you have an amazing um, eye for things, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I wonder, you know, um, when you think back to that moment when you had the idea, mm-hmm. how did that come again? What's, what sort of fueled <laughs> the fire in you, Eliza? That's an interesting question. You know... Um, Lots of people hate what they do, okay? Mm. But they don't change things because they're too afraid, you know, yeah. either they've become too comfortable with a certain amount of money that they've, they're earning, yeah. and to give that up, that's a really big uh, risk, mm. and there's big fear attached to it, Yeah. okay? Uh, and then two, second thing is, you may hate what you do, but you don't actually know what you like or what, what, what the alternative is. So, you know, yeah. lots of people go, I hate being a lawyer, I hate being an accountant, I hate being a teacher, mm. but I don't really know what else to do. Having said that, I pretty much was in both those positions. So, you know, I've yeah. worked in finance, I, I was paid a lot of money, I got to work overseas, I, mm. you know, gave me a lot of um, uh, financial mobility, mm. my, my previous job. But I hated it. I hated it. I hated the a corporate environment. I hated uh, the politics that was in the office, mainly. Uh, I didn't mind the work so much. I just didn't like the kind of ethos that went behind a lot of banking, finance, that sort of industry. You know, I've been working in finance for a good 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just came to a point where I thought, if I don't do something different, I'm just going to keep doing this. And I, I, I cannot... I cannot see how I could because I just wasn't um, enjoying it. Um, As to why I started Inspirasia, it was really not like I woke up and said I want to have a shop. I just basically spent a lot of time. um, I took some time out of work and I went traveling through Asia. I saw a lot of people making things with their hands and enjoying the process of Mm. of doing, you know, uh, creating stuff. I can't create. I can't make anything, but I can appreciate people making things. So I thought, you know what, I could do this. I could, you know, um, source beautiful things and put them in the shop and make sure that where I source them, it's actually from the people that are actually making it. So directly from the source, directly from the creator, directly from the maker. And so that's how it evolved. Only now I'm not buying from Asia, where I was buying from like, you know, like, you know, went to Laos, Cambodia. Mm. I decided that's too hard because I was based in Australia. Very hard for me to keep traveling overseas. Mm. I didn't have a staff then. So I was basically working seven days a week in the shop. So I thought, you know what, I could, I could do this, but with Australian designers. Yeah. And that's how it's evolved. So, you know, Mm. what I started with probably was quite different in terms of who I was supporting in terms of designers. Yeah. Um, but the whole um, ethos of the business has stayed the same. Mm. So, yeah, primarily working with uh, people who, who make their, create their designs, make it, and 
I just give them an avenue to put their things out here yeah, in which, the shop. Which mm. is terrific because mm. um, that's what a lot of people sometimes need. They, mm. You know, when you are the creator in the background, you yep. haven't got the arms and the legs to, yep. or the contacts to, or the yep. finance to be able to yep. go out and pitch yep. your wares. And sometimes so. they don't actually want to be in the shop selling because it's a yeah. it's a it's a hard thing to do because you know you often get people coming in and they will sometimes be very very um critical so yeah. i can't imagine if i was the designer sitting there and listening to some of the comments people make and i'm not even the mm. designer and i get quite offended on behalf of the designers yeah. let alone you know so i have mm. I, I i know a lot of designers who say i can't do it because it's just too confronting. You know, people aren't mm. always very kind about what they say. They'll go, oh, yes. that's, that's hideous. Or, oh, look at that. That's, mm. you know. You, so I think, and also trying to, having to put yourself out there and having to sell something that's yours, yeah. it's a lot harder, I'd imagine, than yeah. if it, you know, like I do it, but, you know, mm. I don't have that sort of, I guess, uh, such a strong attachment to the pieces as you would if you were the creator of those pieces. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Which, which leads me to... Um, what, what is one of the big surprises that you've come across in um, having set up this business and been working with these designers and, and how it's all unfolded? What surprised you about this experience? I wasn't expecting to survive oh. <laughs> for two and a half years. Well, I hoped that I'd, I would. But when I started, my bank, my insurance bro you know, the, the, the insurance broker, uh, lots of people told me, you know, you, 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 most businesses do not last past the three-year benchmark. Yeah. You know, you've never, I've never worked in retail. The people that gave me these advice, they were obviously people that were concerned for me, and they're so. I guess that's one of the things that surprised me. I'm still here after 12 and a half years. Yeah. Um, and what do you think? What do you think's led to that? Uh, quality, consistency. Um, in terms of, you know, the pro pro yeah. product. Mm. And also, I think, you know, there's all these things about internet shopping, about, you know, a lot of people buy things online. But I still feel that a lot of people want one-on-one -on -one service. Yeah. They do, you know, and they want to be able... To, you know, I'm a tactile person. I need to touch things. I need to try it. I need to look at it. So a lot of people are still like that, you know. they mm. When they come into the shop, you know, I, I see them. They move through the racks and they're touching, they're mm. looking, they're feeling. And I think they enjoy the experience of being able to do that mm. before they um, buy. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's probably one of the things that... That surprised me because, you know, when, when everyone, you know, started talking about, all oh, the death of, you know, small businesses because everyone's going to go online and no one's going to really go to these, you know, strip shops because, mm. you know, they can just buy things on the internet. Yes, they do, but I think a lot of them still come. And I, I guess our price mm. point isn't, it, we're not cheap. Mm. We're not really expensive. Mm. We're kind of like, you know, how would you say? I don't know. It, 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 you're, it, you're like Goldilocks. You're just right. right. You found the right spot. Hey? Yeah. So it's, it's not something you just, you know, you know, the, some of our dresses, you'd probably have to, you know, go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to invest in this piece because it's two, three hundred dollars. Mm. And I guess if you're buying something of that value, mm. you're going to want to try it. You're going to want to be able to sit it on your body and feel like, you know, this dress is going to get lots of wear. I'm going to get lots of wear out of it, sorry. And and so I find that people still come back because, you know, they mm. can feel it, they can try it, they mm. can, I can talk to them about it. Uh, and, you know, I think people quite enjoy the experience of just having um, a good old-fashioned customer service. Mm. I had imagined you would have faced some challenges and mm. some difficult decisions. Lots. What have been 
some of the things that have really been those hard moments for you? Mm. They could be turning points as well along the way. Mm. So many. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, in any small business, there'll be times where times are very lean, you know, mm. so you get, you really stress because, yeah. you know, everything hinges on you. Mm. There's no safety net. Yeah. There's no, you know, the money doesn't come into your bank account like you do if you had a steady job. You would know this if you're working for yourself. I mean, I can, uh, I can't even count the number of you know nights where you sometimes. I mean, I've learned to control my stress, perhaps a little mm. bit better, maybe, or worry because you know all small business owners are going to be in the same thing, same position. You know, there are times where you just worry. You worry whether am I going to survive? You know, people will stop spending because you know, say you have a crisis. Yeah. You know. Um, like the global financial crisis. Yeah. And then you start worrying. You're like, oh, my God, if everyone stops spending, what's going to happen to me? Mm. Because, you know, these are discretionary items. Yeah. They're not, you know, your, you know, it's not food. It's, yeah, not, it's not your bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. So these are things that people might not spend, you know. Yeah. And so you worry. And then you, you, you're constantly... You constantly worry, basically. <laughs> you never, never not worry. Uh, you either worry more or you maybe worry less, but you're always worried. And so you just have to learn to, to cope with it. And how learn do to you live with it. Learn to live with it. And how do you cope with it and live with it? <laughs> what are the things sometimes that you do? Sometimes well, to... sometimes not well. You have to have yes. life outside of work. Yeah. You know, if you didn't, then it would, I think, get to you. So you have to have life outside work. So whether it's your family or friends or mm. a hobby or some activity, that's what it is. It's all about work-life balance. Yeah. You know, as it is in the corporate world, you've got to have it in your own uh, world as well as a small mm. business owner. So that's what it is. It's just controlling your fears, controlling your worry. Um, and I guess uh, there's a lot of internal dialogue in, in your own head. You yeah. know, when you're not working with someone else, mm. you kind of have to process a lot of things in, in your own head. Yeah. So that's probably part of the challenge as well, you know, mm -hmm. because you don't have other people sometimes to bounce ideas off yeah. or, or, or things off. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it's I'm lucky because I have my family, I have my sisters, my husband, good yeah. friends I can talk to sometimes yeah. when things get a little bit too much, you know, yeah. and they can kind of give me a bit of insight or, or maybe just, you know, steer me back into the middle ground because mm. I might have gone too far in one direction. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think those are just um, probably challenges that all people who are in, who run their own business have, you mm. know, you constantly worry. <laughs> no, you constantly it's, worry. It's a state that you're in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting you say you've got families, friends, mm. your partner, because uh, when you take on something like this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what's the support crew or what, what's, this, what's that, um, yeah, what's the assistance and help you get mm. um, or that you've had that's mm. really made mm. the difference to you? Family, mm. basically, yeah. Because, you know, in, you know, how we even set up the shop, all my family members, cousins, aunties, uncles, you know, help paint and my mom donated some of her nice furniture, mm. you know, stuff like that, you know, whether it's family or friends, you do need it. And I guess, you know, there have been times where I've been short-staffed, you know, I haven't had enough staff mm. over Christmas, I've had to pull family members in. Yeah. In fact, almost every Christmas, <laughs> in. Uh, and they do it because you know mm. they, they're family. But mm. so you do have to have that. Um, and you're important. comfortable with asking people for help? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> mm, probably, interesting. probably yes with family. Yeah, close family. Yeah. Um, 
probably not so with you know you don't want to be a burden so you don't I don't often will I I don't really ask friends for help I yeah. mainly rely on family you know but yes it's it's um it's important like anyone starting out um starting yeah. out with, with you know doing a small business or whatever they want to do they need to find a a support network I think that's really important because you know when you work in isolation and if you've got if you if you do not have a support network it can get too much yeah can I mean I have been in a position where I've even with family and and, and mm. you know support network mm. it sometimes is you know because the, the like yeah. you say you know when you feel like your back is against the wall and you don't know if you're gonna mm. survive um, they're the ones that are going to rally around you and tell you that it's okay you're gonna make it yeah, you know, just keep going. So it's important to have that. I think the other thing that's important for small business owners, I mean, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but always know your risk. You yeah. know, so like I I knew that when I started, I was never, I mean, but that's just my personal, never going to take out a loan from family members because I thought if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail on my own. I don't want anyone else to have, um, you know, to bear the repercussion of a failed mm -hmm. business venture of mine. So I said it would have to be on my own um, back. Mm -hmm. So no, no, no loans from family. No, and I also decided I wasn't going to take a loan out from the bank. Mm -hmm. That I was going to use my own savings. So I guess for me that was my stopgap me measure. Yeah. Like if I knew that it failed, I could walk away and I wouldn't be in debt. I would just mm -hmm. have lost my savings. Mm -hmm. But that was it, and I have to start from yeah, scratch. Yeah, yeah. So having had the opportunity to create something and build it from scratch. What's that mean to you personally? Um, uh, pride, I guess. Not mm. not in a bad way. Not like it's great. Yeah, yeah. Pride, because you know, you just never. You hoped it would survive, and you hope it would thrive. But you know, there's always that that fear that it wouldn't. Uh, so, and I've seen so many small businesses come and go. People mm. like similar shops, like mine who are not here anymore. So, you know, yeah, a sense of pride that I've achieved it. And mm. also I I wanted to create an environment where I would love to come to work. So, yeah. you know, I like being in my shop. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are good days and bad days, of course, but generally I like the feel of the shop because I think when people walk in, they generally like the feel of the shop, you know, and uh, it's because it's an atmosphere where um, I hope it's welcoming. I hope it's not... Um, that it's visually stimulating and it um, pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the soul, you know, that sort of environment. And I hope I've created it even for my staff, mm. you know, that, that work here, that they're happy to work here, that they actually enjoy working here. And I'm, I think also I try and be the boss that I've always wanted my bosses to be yeah. to me. In You know, I think for all of us, mm. You'd have that one or two rare bosses that inspire you, and you go, yeah. you know, they're what the kind of people I want to be or aspire to. Yeah. That's then, probably the things I take pride in most. Mm. That's wonderful. Mm. And um, you, you mentioned something before, and I just thought, you know, that you've been able to last this distance. Uh, what, what's been at the heart of making you so resilient and being able to come through each wave and change? Where's that come from? Stubbornness, probably. <laughs> I, I, I generally love what I do, you know, and it um, doesn't make me a lot of money. Like, sometimes I just go, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Because if I divide it by the amount of hours I pour, I poured and continue to pour into this business. Having said that, I do love what I do, so I guess... Um, 
That's why I keep doing what I do. And um, sheer will and determination, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, you mm. do need a bit of determination to get something off the ground <laughs> yeah, and keep, yeah. to, and to keep start, going. Yeah, to keep going. Yeah. You've got to, it's a, there's a lot of self-motivation that goes into it because, yeah. you know, no one else is motivating you. <laughs> mm. Now, I'm going to take us back a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Mm. And that point of... Once, you know, the idea evolved, mm-hmm. what was that point where you said to yourself, right, this is it, I'm going to set up a shop and I'm going to go do this? What was that conversation with yourself like? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I can't remember the point in time. Mm. Uh, but what I did was I did a couple of pop-ups, um, you know, and I basically put up my wares in yeah. in my sister's place. She had a nice apartment, so and I invited people over for a weekend uh you know like over friday saturday sunday and i did i think two or three sessions of it um over a span of six months or nine months Mm -hmm. and each time you know it was very very um it was a really good response people came and not needed they come they bought and they bought almost all of my wares you know each time i did it you know so i thought hey you know maybe i can do this you know obviously i'm picking things that people like you know and people willing to pay money for it so I think I just thought, you know what, what the heck, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to just do it. And that was it. That, and then I just decided to look for a shop. And then I've always liked this area. So I decided, I'm going to try. You know, brands are okay here. You know, I basically took a gamble because I didn't really know if, you know, there weren't many retail stores in this area, mm. you know, 12 and a half years ago. I was lucky in a way because people, uh, you know, sometimes you can open a shop and it's a great shop, but if it's not the right time, mm-hmm. you don't, you know, uh, people don't seem to take mm-hmm. to it, 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 a great idea will just die away, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky because people, from the first time I opened my door, people came and people bought and they continued to do so. Mm-hmm. And so, and I really don't know why they did. I, I'm, I'm Not that I don't know why they did. I'm glad they did, but... You know, it was a destination. They had to come to the shop. It's not like there were lots and lots of shops and they were just happened to be walking by and were just... So, yeah. Mm. So, I don't know what the turning... I think the turning point was I just decided, well, I'm either going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And what about um, when you were a... Uh, what about when you were a kid? Like, when you think back to that, um, what were you like? And, and how does some of that show up today and what, who you are now and what you're doing? I'm a very different person than when I was a kid. So it's almost, it's a hard question because mm. I was a very, very shy person. Mm. Not that I'm an extrovert, I'm not, but I found it painfully difficult to talk to people. So it's mm. kind of interesting that I'm in retail because I have to talk to people all the time. Yeah. I can't really draw a connection from when mm. I was a child to where I am now because I think I'm actually quite different. I, yeah. I really don't know how I came to be like this. Mm. Oh, I want to ask you about um, sometimes, you know, uh, sort of stretching yourself a little bit and you've had lots of worries. What was it like opening up the second shop? Ah, that was very stressful. That was probably more stressful than the first shop <laughs> because, you know, you, you in a way when you first start uh, something new, you don't realise how mm. the risk may be fully or you don't know how much hard work goes into it because you kind of almost like, it's like having a baby, you know, the first baby you just <laughs> go in there oh, how hard can it be, not that yeah. I've ever had, have, have had a baby but you know, but the second time round you kind of, you're aware of all the pitfalls and how much work is involved. So you know what's coming what's coming, <laughs> so I found the second shop harder than the first shop yeah much harder mm. uh, and also um, having two was stressful because it meant um, double the work 
and I basically, you know, for the first for five years of the second shop, I pretty much didn't have a life outside of work because I was basically yeah. working all the time. And I think that's sort of, you know, uh, after that, after five years, I just thought to myself, I, why am I doing this? I'm not, a, I really wasn't enjoying it anymore mm. because I was just so burnt out. So um, I thought, you know what? I was happy when I had the one shop. I'm not happy when I have the, when mm. whilst having the two shops. I should go back to having a one shop, and then I was happier because I could strike a balance. Mm. You've touched on a couple of things I do want to pick up on because mm. they're quite interesting. Um, knowing that you've been able to have a choice, mm. and or you've made the choice about pursuing something and working hard on it, what have you learnt from that? From taking risks? Yeah. Well, if you don't take a risk then you'd never know. You know, you'll always be wondering. So, you know, I I guess uh, part of you were asking me before, what was that turning point where you decided, yep, I'm just going to open a shop? Yeah. I think I just decided that if I didn't do it then, then when I was deciding to do it, I wasn't going to ever mm. do it. Because the longer, the older you go, mm. the older you get, the less risk adverse, adverse you are. Because, you know, you start to worry about, you know, I guess getting older, retirement, then you might have family obligations, you might have lots of commitments that you even if you do wanna give you know, give your job up or whatever, you just aren't able to um, because of the reality of your situation. So um, yeah. So I, I to me it's like if you if you don't try you won't know. So you better it's best that you try. As long as you know what your risks are, what you're willing to risk. And what have you gained? Like there's a, there's always a side of losing, but what have you gained through this experience? Um, learned lots of skills, you know, basically people skills. <laughs> you learn about um, how resilient you can be. Mm. I guess you just learn that if you really put your mm. mind to it, you can do it, you know, and that um, that you shouldn't be afraid. Uh, well, it's okay to be afraid, but you shouldn't let your fear stop you from doing something. Yeah. You've got to work through your fear because it, 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 people always say, oh, you're so brave. Like, how did you do it? You're so brave. <laughs> it's not about bravery. It's not because you are scared. You're scared all the time and you continue to be afraid, you know, afraid of what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Is Am I going to survive the next financial year? Am I going to survive in five years' time? Mm -hmm. So you're always afraid, but the thing is, it's managing your fear. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, I, I have, there are many friends or people who constantly say, oh, I wish I could do what you did or wish I, you know, but the thing is, it's, um, you can, anyone can do it. <laughs> it's just whether you want to do it and, and whether you, um, I think if you're so unhappy, there is no other choice sometimes, you know, so I always say to people, it's not because I was brave, because I just knew I was so deeply unhappy that if I didn't make a change, I was going to stay unhappy. So there was no choice. I just had to do it mm. in my mind. That's yeah. what I thought. Mm. Mm. Wow. Does that make sense? It is. <laughs> um, Eliza, thank you That's so right. much because it's a wonderful journey. And, I, you know, I confess that I am a shopper in this store <laughs> and have been since day dot it opened. So thanks, Eliza. Thanks for That's sharing right. your story with That's us. That's okay. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com and follow us on Twitter at Be Self Unlimited.